Martin says, don't panic. <laughs> I'll try not to. So, good morning. How are you? The theme for this morning is preparing the way. But first, I thought back to the 29th of October this year. That was when the MPs agreed to have in the general election. So, chuckling to myself, I remember thinking, I feel really sorry for the person who has to talk the Sunday before polling day. I then checked the rotor, and with a growing sense of holler, realised it was me. Now, it would be tempting to forget that the election is actually happening. And in a way, that is what I tend to do. But it would be wrong to ignore the fact that this week is an important week for our country, for our town, for our community, and for ourselves. So, how to walk this tightrope? Well, all I want to say is, if you're able to vote, vote. But before you vote, pray. Pray. And pray again. And may I humbly suggest that we ask God to directly intervene in this election. That we pray, that we will vote in accordance to his will, and not ours. To vote in a way that furthers God's mission and not just our desires. To link into the theme of this morning, that we vote in a way that will prepare the way in bringing the kingdom of God here to earth. That's it. Hopefully the tightrope has been walked and horror has been averted. So preparing the way. Bear with me a second. I need to prepare. Well, I have to tell you a story, and it happened many, many, many years ago, back in those days. I must have been in my late teenage years, and I was a typical person. At that age, I hung around with my friends, tried to avoid doing any work whatsoever, and getting under the nose of my parents. Anyway, it was back then. But then I still remember that day as if it were yesterday. You see, me and my friends had heard about this character out in the sticks, causing quite a stir. In fact, they were causing so much of a stir that people from all over the area were going to see what this person had to say. And, you know, teenagers being teenagers, me and my friends, we decided to go and have a look-see to see what the noise was all about. So we headed up early that morning. We left the village and we headed down the slopes through the hot and dusty lands between the hills and the Dead Sea and made our way to that river that snaked through the wilderness. I have to say, it wasn't hard to find him. We just had to follow the crowd. And there he was, John the Baptizer. He was called the Baptizer because he baptised people. Now, that might seem a bit strange now, but back then, he was the first person to go around baptising Jews. I mean, otherwise, he would have just been known as John. You see, baptism back then was only really used for the Gentiles who wished to become Jews. So it was like the baptizer was saying to us, do you know you're as far from God as the, Jews, as the Gentiles are? And it wasn't a mere splash in the face. It was whole body, fully under the water. Thinking about it now, 
The only people, other people doing it around that time were that sect from Qumran. They were by the Dead Sea. I wonder if John was part of them. Might have been. Guess we'll never know now. Anyway, this man appeared in the wilderness and he started making a, a name for himself. So he went to have a look-see. Have you ever come across someone full of charisma? Someone who could command a crowd? Well, that was this man. When I first saw him, he was dressed in camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. And do you know what? It reminded me what the scriptures said about Elijah. You know, when the king of Samaria asks his messengers who they've met, and they go, we've met someone clothed in hair with a leather belt. And the king goes, oh, that'd be Elijah the Tishbite. <laughs> Thinking about it, their messages were the same, Elijah and John, calling repentance to Israel. <laughs> Mind you, he knew how to eat well. Honey and locusts, that's some good eating. Really nutritious, readily available, all around the place. I have to say, I'm quite partial to a handful of locusts. I think it's the crunch. It was his look, his demeanour that day that made me move closer. I left my group of friends, curious to hear what this man had to say. I was no further than I am to you when John quieted down the crowd, took a deep breath and said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And I remember thinking, did I hear him right? Was he talking about all we have been waiting for? Did he mean after all these years of waiting, God would come back to be in the midst of us, bringing comfort and rescue? Now I know my scriptures, and I instantly wondered, is this John, the one mentioned in Isaiah? You know, a voice calling out in the wilderness, well, big tick there, preparing the way for the Lord, making straight paths for him. Was John like the servants of the kings of the east who would send their messengers out before them to pronounce that someone regal and important was coming, that they were to prepare the way, to remove things from their passage, to open the passes, to level the ways, to remove all obstacles and make straight paths? I have to confess, I now know that's true, but I'm getting ahead of myself. What I had to say, what he had to say, I heard it. And suddenly it was like, suddenly it was like the scales coming off my eyes and suddenly I could see the truth. I didn't have any automatic birthright for salvation. I hadn't kept the covenant with God. Here is the baptizer saying, the time is soon we'll be here and you're not ready. And I knew there and then I had to repent. I needed to be baptised. It was like this plain speaking prophet had seen into my heart and he bored into my thoughts and said, you need to get ready. You need to be prepared for the coming of the kingdom. Repentance. 
Repentance. Repentance. It spoke, oh, it spoke more than just merely saying sorry or even changing my mind. How can I put it? It's more like return to God. Come back to relationship with God. It's like all these years I've been looking west all my life and this man has come and said, turn 180s, look east, look at the new dawn of the kingdom of the God. Realign yourself with God and allow God to transform you to the person you're meant to be. I knew these powerful words were the truth. And more than anything else, more than anything I've ever wished for in my life, I wished. No, I needed to be baptised there and then. So I joined the queue to be dunked. I was so excited. Now, there is something you need to understand about me. I am not the most patient person in the world. And one thing I hate most is queuing. But it was different that day. There was this nervous energy for all of us who made the commitment to be dunked. And I must have been about third or fourth in line when the baptizer boomed out in a loud voice, you brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? For one moment, I thought John was talking to me. But I looked up and I saw a bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees standing there. And I realized the baptizer was talking to them. (laughs) My first thought was, what are they doing to two doing together although they represented the religious elite in Jerusalem they were often in conflict with one another so John must have been making a huge impact to bring them two together and I know they were popular with the folk at the time but I tend to be cynical and it did cross my mind that perhaps these groups had come to John because he was so popular and decided to put on a show about being baptised to show that they were getting ready for the second coming. (laughs) But John saw through that, didn't he? (laughs) You brood of vipers. You bunch of slivering snakes. What an insult, snakes. I mean, just think back to the Garden of Eden. And like the snakes around these parts, whenever there's a fire, they come scurrying to escape that consuming fire. And that's what this religious elite were doing when they wanted to be baptised by John. They were trying to scurry away to escape the consuming fire. (laughs) But John didn't stop there, no. He carried on scolding them. What was it he said? Oh yeah. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. (laughs) And do not tell yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones... God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And there it was in a nutshell. What we had all been leaning on, relying on our heritage, our links to Abraham for salvation. And John came along and popped it like a bubble. 
We could not be saved due to our lineage. And I have seen many an axe man at the end of harvest preparing his axe, setting about pruning the fig trees, removing all the useless branches and trees. The warning was clear from John. The times were changing. It was time to get ready, and I wanted to be baptised even more. John finished with these words that are seared into my memory, and I don't think I'll ever forget them as long as I live. So radical. I baptise you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not even worthy to carry. He will baptise you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The thing that sticks in my mind is that line about whose sandals I'm not worthy even to carry. I mean, this person would have to be even more powerful than John the baptizer for John to say that. Look, a disciple of even a normal rabbi who's expected to act like a virtual slave for that rabbi, they would even consider removing and carrying the rabbi's shoes too low a task even for them. And here is John, the great baptizer, acknowledging that his place is even lower than that. I mean, who is that person to come? I now know that the person John was talking about, of course, is Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've heard of him. And well, his story is incredible. I heard that John did baptise him. And it's well known that Jesus had a run-in with them religious elite. I became a follower of the baptizer. But I did go and listen to Jesus many, many times. <laughs> I remember one time, they even provided bread and fish for all who were there. It must have been thousands. But that's another story. One of the most refreshing, compelling, inspiring things about Jesus was that he would tell God truths by using stories. You know, like the one about the wayward son, and there was another one about a mustard seed. Good godly tradition, that. Using God truths and using stories to tell the God truths, just like Ezekiel used to do. But I have to say, this Jesus, he was the very, very best of them. All right, hands up. Confession time. I did eventually become a follower of Jesus Christ. I followed him right up to the point when the Romans and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, them again, got him crucified. And you would think that would be the end of the story. But no. Jesus rose again from the dead. Now, I know you might think that a bit far-fetched, but it's true. I know it's true because I had a personal encounter with him. I wonder, have you? Jesus then returned to heaven, but promised a baptism of Holy Spirit. And do you know it happened? Just as John the baptizer predicted 30 years before, he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. 
<laughs> that happened many, many years ago now. And now I'm an old man. But the story hasn't finished yet. You see, Jesus promised that he would come again. And every day I am preparing for his return. And in that second coming, he will come to judge the living and the dead. Guess that's what John was talking about with his winnowing fork in his hand and the clearing of the floor, gathering the weeds and burning the chaff. But also in that second coming, we are promised his kingdom will have no end and we will have a life of the world to come as long as we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. You see, this is not just a nice story that has been consigned to the history books, but it's a living story right here, right now. And I spend most of my time retelling that story, telling people about Jesus, to remind them to repent, to realign themselves with God. I love it. And it's been fun remembering with you the first time Jesus came to earth and remembering the story of John the, the baptised and how he prepared the way. But I'm not doing this for fun. Oh no. There are some questions we're all left with. Such are, are we preparing now for his second coming? Are you like me? I need to constantly realign myself with God on a daily basis. And perhaps, perhaps you're not even a follower of Christ yet. Maybe you were like how I was. Perhaps you're facing in the wrong direction. And you need to do a 180 to turn around and find God. Perhaps. Perhaps. You know. All you need to do is turn around. Anyway, enough about me. God bless, and perhaps we'll meet again someday.